Welcome. Good morning. Let's stand and worship and praise God together. This first song is number eight in your red hymnal, if you'd like to read from your hymnal. Majesty, Lord. 
so glad to have you here the weather's changing and we're going to open up remember next sunday we start with sunday school at 9 30 a new time and we'll do that from now on for a while till we change again okay we're glad you're here turn around and greet your neighbor and let them know you're glad to see him here and a good morning from kid street as well yeah we've got uh, the first day of spring was yesterday right and we've got palm sunday coming up and then easter We've got a lot of renewing going on, right? All the grass was kind of brown, right? All the flower beds were kind of, you know, bare. All the trees, we just saw the branches. Pretty soon the leaves are going to be popping, right? We're going to have green grass. We're going to have flowers sprouting. We've got renewing going on. If you listen to Pastor Kevin's, message today. He's talking about a renewing. Um, I've got a little toy here. You ever seen one of these? It looks like a taxi because it's yellow, right? What if I started doing this? Do you know what kind of toy this is now? It's a transformer. That's right. So they start out looking like one thing, right? Something in the world, right? A little car, right? And then we start transforming it, right? Now what does it look like? Yeah, like a robot from outer space, right? Not, not of this world, right? So in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn and know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So, the car that it began, it was something that we have in the world, right? Cars, right? But it transformed into something that wasn't from this world, right? Kind of like the scripture. How do we transform ourselves into something not of this world. Sometimes the world can be mean, right? Sometimes the world can be selfish. 
Sometimes we can, you know, say not so kind things to others, right? Some people want, want things, right? And they take things. The world can kind of, you know, be that way sometimes. And Jesus says, don't be of this world, okay? Be of me, right? What's the difference? Well, God is love, right? So how do we transform ourselves? Well, we start by coming here, right? We're worshiping the Lord. We're listening to the hymns and the praise songs that have his word in them. We read scripture. That helps us transform our minds. We can pray, right? Talk to God. Let him talk to us so that we can love others. Be different than the ways of the world, okay? So think about that this week. I've got a little thing that will transform for you. It looks like a bookmark, doesn't it? You know what these do, don't you? Yeah, they transform into a bracelet, don't they? Yeah, so you can take one of these with you and remember that we can transform our minds. Everybody get one? All right. Uh, yeah. Bumblebee, yeah, yeah. All right, so think about transforming your minds, your, your lives, right, by following God's ways. We'll pray and then worship him, okay? Dear Lord, we, we thank you for your son, your spirit, your love, that even though we are in the world, we do not need to be of the world. We are your children, your creation. Help us spread that love to those around us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to stand and sing together.
with me please our Heavenly Father we thank you for seeing us through the dark winter and through the pandemic we thank you for the light that is to come and the spring that we will enjoy we ask that you bless these gifts that we bring and help us to share with others in Jesus name Amen Bibles with me this morning, if you would. Romans chapter 12, in your New Testament, Romans, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts and Romans. Romans chapter 12. Continuing in our series about making time for Jesus, you know, we, well, you know how it is. You make time for that which you value. If you value work, you make time for work. If you value family, you make time for family. If you value your faith, you make time for it. You make time to get up and go to church. You make time to do Bible study. You make time to invest yourself in the development of faith. So we're going to talk about that today. Romans chapter 12, a very familiar passage, the first two verses. By the way, thank you for allowing me to take a week off. I know that Russ did a good job of filling in for me. I watched him on TV. So it was good, and I appreciate his efforts, and uh, I had a great time. You know, I'm to the place in life where every day off is a good day, so I just like that, you know. Romans chapter 12. As always, we've been in prayer. We've found out just in the last couple of weeks that we have more racism than we thought was possible toward just about everybody. Everybody seems to have uh, something against everybody, and Unfortunately, that is the nature of humanity. When we talk about the racism that is part of American culture, what we're talking about is people, because we all struggle with this thing of racism and how we choose certain people to love and certain people to not love. And it's always been a problem. So we pray for that today, that God can help us with that. Not just to recognize it, but to change hearts and change practices. As always, we begin the prayer. I'll give you a few moments to pray silently where you see it, and then I'll close. We'll look at this passage together. Would you bow with me, please? Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your presence today. 
for this life we live, for this great nation. Flawed as it is, we thank you for our freedoms and privileges, the blessings you've given us. We thank you for all these, Father. We thank you for this faith rooted in Jesus, for the crucifixion and resurrection, for what it means to us, salvation and cleansing, and the hope for a better life both now and in eternity. Thank you, Father, for saving us and for acting in our behalf. Lord, this morning we recognize your wonder and your power. We submit to your authority over us. We recognize your grace and your generosity. And we worship you, Father. We worship you and you alone. We give you prime time this morning. And yet we stop to worship you. Father, we ask for mercy. Forgive us for where we have failed you, for our failure to love others, for our willingness to harbor resentments and antagonism towards others. Sometimes it's of other races, sometimes of other nationalities, sometimes of friends. Forgive us, Father. Cleanse our hearts. Give us the power of your Spirit that we might change, that we could love others in the name of Jesus, that we would fight for justice, that we would be gracious and kind towards others. We ask for guidance for those that are in power of all offices, all parties. Give them wisdom and direction the ability to make good decisions, decisions that can bring peace and justice, decisions that can treat people well, decisions that can give us peace both in this culture and in this world. We look at the mess that we make of so many things and we ask for your help, Father. It seems as if we sometimes just cannot help ourselves. Guide us, Father. As always, we ask you to be with those first responders, our soldiers and their families, those that aid others in emergencies, healthcare workers, those others whose lives are at risk, protect them wherever they serve, use them to help others, comfort their families. Lord, help each of us to live lives that not only honor you, but show your love towards others. Help us be gracious and kind to others. Help us to forgive those who have hurt us. And Lord, help us in our relationships. We struggle. People aren't fair. Sometimes they can't be trusted. Sometimes we fail. We ask for your help and your blessings. And again, Father, we thank you for this good life. We recognize that everything that is worth having is a good gift from you, and we thank you. Be with us now, Father, and teach us from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't you just hate being told what to do? It just gripes us to the bone, doesn't it? doesn't matter who you are. I've never heard anyone say, I just love people to boss me around. I've never heard that. Now, some people will say they like authorities. I like authorities as long as I'm the authority and that kind of thing. You know, but that's the way we are. We, we don't like to be told what to do. Yesterday, Tammy and I were sitting on our porch swing, and we were having one of those phone conversations, you know, those things where you've got on speakerphone, you're trying to hear everybody, and we were talking to our daughter, Holly, and you may remember her, a little redhead. She has a little red-haired daughter named Betty Joy, and no, no pictures, but Betty Joy is a two-year-old redhead, and she lives up to the name of Redhead. And so in the middle of this conversation with our daughter, who was trying to tell us about something else, Betty had learned to flush the toilet. Now, I don't know what's going on there, but she just thought that that was a great thing. And as long as we're flushing the toilet, let's throw rolls of toilet paper in the toilet. 
So she was doing that as Holly was talking to her, and Holly was talking to us on the phone. We were hearing all this commotion, and Betty was squealing with delight at what happened when you flushed the toilet and you threw toilet paper, and look at Mama's response, and all those kinds of things. And over and over, and this went on for some time, and this was my, neighbor, my daughter's life, actually, and she said, Betty, stop, Betty, stop, and Betty would laugh and flush the toilet. We could hear this thing again. went over and over and over. Finally, Betty Joy ran out of toilet paper, but that didn't stop her from flushing the toilet. So this went on for what seemed like a long time. And finally, Betty Joy tired of the game and wandered off. And then she started screaming at Mama for yelling at her about the toilet. And that was pretty much the end of our phone conversation. And we laughed because we weren't there. And it's funny, you know, when it's somebody else's kid and all those kinds of things. But I started thinking about this. I had a, another story about authority and submission and all those things, but it wasn't near as interesting as that one. And that just was one more story of a little girl, my little granddaughter, who doesn't like to be told what to do. And it doesn't matter what it is. She's one of those that in any and every situation, whatever you tell her to do, it's just not going to happen without a great fight. And hopefully she will grow out of that. Now, I would imagine that by the time she's 18 or 19 years old, she will no longer play with the toilet flusher, I hope. She will internalize her teaching and all those kinds of things. But right now, when you tell her what to do, you might as well just accept the fact that it's not going to happen. She's not even afraid of her six foot seven inch daddy. He tells her what to do and she squeals with delight and does it anyway. And she cries as she gets a spanking, but it doesn't change anything because no one's going to tell that little girl what to do. I wish I could say that none of us have ever done such a thing, maybe not with a toilet handle. But we've all done things that God was telling us not to do, haven't we? It's called sin. Sin doesn't mean you're bad people. Sin means you are rebelling against God's authority. That's the essence of sin, where God wants you to live a certain way, and you say no, just like the little girl who flushes the toilet once again. God tells you what to do, no. God tells you what not to do, no. God guides you and directs you, no. It is the way of humanity. So today we're going to talk about that very idea of somebody telling us what to do and how God speaks to us and teaches us and sometimes directs us to submit to the authority of Scripture and His leadership in our life. It's what Paul was talking about. It was an issue then, just as it is today. Follow along with me if you would. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercy Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable. This isn't really a particularly difficult concept to understand. God says, when I teach you, do what I tell you. It's really that simple. But now there is a reason that Paul had to address that. You think about this. Paul, an evangelist to the world, taking time out of his time in prison, he was prison, and he was writing to the church at Rome, and he was teaching them deep spiritual things. And one of the things that he had to teach was, listen, when God teaches you to do something, do it. And when God teaches you how to practice that which you've been taught, and he gives you restrictions for your flesh, and what you are to do with your flesh, he goes, you're going to be better off if you are obedient to God rather than not. Now, the reason this was such a problem, not just because of human nature, but in ancient cultures, there was this idea, and it was widespread throughout the world, that what you did with your body didn't matter as long as you were religious. It came to be called something called Gnosticism. Some of you Sunday school people have heard that term. Gnosticism was a fancy way of saying you go to church and learn Jesus, and then you do whatever you want for the rest of the week. Technical term, and that's what it meant. And all people in all religious faiths were doing this, and they didn't call it Gnosticism, and they didn't even see it as a problem because they had this idea that your heart and your spirit were good and your flesh was evil. And so as long as you got your heart and your spirit right with God, however you did that, and you went to church and gave offerings and prayed and said all the right things, you could do whatever you wanted with your body. It just didn't matter. And even if you tried to get your flesh under control, it didn't matter. So what's the point? And that was exactly what was going on in the early church. 
Now, like I said, they were just being normal people. Wasn't anything particularly evil about the Roman Christians. It's just that for Christians, what is normal is sometimes unacceptable. What the world teaches can't be done. So Paul tried to get them to understand that what you do in the flesh matters because your body is a gift of God. Now, the scriptures teach this. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are created in the image of God. God crafted your body with the wonders of his mind and all those kinds of things. And we know that in our head, but sometimes it's hard to remember that our flesh doesn't have to be evil. Sometimes it is because of what we do with our flesh, right? But it doesn't have to be that way. Fact is, the Bible is very clear. You have not only a responsibility to control your flesh, just how you live, you can. And that's the big thing here, that God's Spirit living within you, when you follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit moves in, remember that. The Holy Spirit gives you the ability to control your flesh. So whenever you say, I can't help myself, you're lying to yourself and you're lying to others. Yes, you can. Whenever you say it's, the temptation is just too great, what you're saying is, I don't care. God's Spirit gives you the ability to control your flesh. Just like my granddaughter will eventually learn not to flush the toilet all day long. And it won't be as much fun anymore, but she will learn and hopefully move on from that. But, you know, that's the idea. That even though it's fun and enjoyable, if God doesn't want you to do that, you can resist it. And it's something we struggle with all of our lives. Now, Christians have always struggled with this. Real quickly, going through history, Christians have always struggled with the idea of getting your spirit in line with your flesh. Think about the Crusades. You remember the Crusades when Christians in Europe wanted to free the Holy Land, which had been taken over by the Muslims. And it's just the way it was, and that was just human history. Islam had come over, and it, and it was the dominant faith in the Holy Land for several centuries. And it used to be dominated by the Christian faith, of course, but then the Muslims came in, and the Christians left, and they were slaughtered, and it was a horrible thing. It went on for centuries. So centuries later, the church came on strong in England, and so they said, we're going to free the Holy Land. So literally, the kings said, in the name of Jesus, just go kill everybody. And that's what happened for centuries. Christian soldiers, under the direction of the church, went and raped and pillaged and slaughtered everybody in their path. And it was okay because, well, they went to church and they said and believed all the right things. And so what they did in the flesh didn't matter. Now, they had their reasons, of course, but this was a wholesale slaughter. went on for centuries. You know the story. It's all true. It's, it's worse than you can imagine. Fast forward a few hundred years, in our culture, we justified slavery, didn't we? We justified prejudice, and whites did it, and blacks sometimes do it, and Asians sometimes do it. We're all guilty to some degree or another, just like all over the world. Slavery and racism and hatred of others is common, unfortunately. It's always evil. But the crazy thing is, in our culture, and England did this too, Christians gathered, and over time they codified slavery and racism towards certain people because it didn't matter. As long as you went to church and you did the Jesus thing, it really didn't matter what you did in the flesh. And they had religious reasons for it, of course. They always justify their sin. Fast forward a few, another century or two. In our culture, we're experimenting with human sexuality. And by experimenting, I, say, I mean we're doing whatever we want. You watch our culture. You know it. So do I. We see our kids and grandkids, and, and we wonder what in the world are our grandkids going to inherit? Because as a group of people, we've decided that what you do with your flesh doesn't matter. Interestingly enough, religious interest is up. Church attendance isn't necessarily down. People are moving away from a traditional church, so they're talking about Jesus. And you'll never or seldom ever will hear a starlet or somebody on TV say, I don't like Jesus. They'll all say, we love Jesus. We love the teachings of God, but then they live differently. You see, it's very common for people to separate what they do in the flesh with what they do in the spirit. So when Paul wrote this passage, he was very clearly addressing his people but he was addressing us, wasn't he? And we, we do the same thing. 
we justify our sins sometimes by saying, well, well, I go to church and I ask for forgiveness, so it must be okay. I have literally had people tell me, if I give every, an extra offering, will that take care of this? Seriously. And sometimes people get the idea that if they go to church a little bit more or give a little extra offering, then it's okay with God. And they, they make this, this, this thing where what you do simply doesn't matter as long as you're religious. In this passage, and on screen you can see this, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice literally means you live, you, you live in the flesh as a sacrifice to God. In other words, what you want to do is no longer the driving force. What is common is no longer the driving force. In that last paragraph, this has almost nothing to do with how you feel. So how you feel about something or what you want to do or what everybody else is doing must become irrelevant. Because you see, we choose our authorities. You choose to listen to some and you choose to resist others. Paul says, as Christians, you've received the blessings of God, the Holy Spirit within you, the promise of eternal life. You have bought into this idea that God is director of your life. No threats. Just telling you, this is the way it is. Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. And one of the things that comes out of this is that when you do this, God begins to transform you. He calls us into that process of allowing him to transform our lives. So we're talking about transformation, becoming a new person, a new creature in Christ. Some people think that you are a new creature as soon as you receive Jesus as Savior. That's the beginning point. The moment you receive Jesus, you are cleansed of sin, and you receive the Holy Spirit. And then you begin the process of transformation. God begins to work in you. You learn Scripture. You learn to submit to teachings in Scripture. You allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you. And you begin to become more Christian. You're still saved. You're completely saved. But you become more Christian in your behavior and attitudes. It's a long, slow process. After a decade, you will notice differences. Sometimes it takes a long time, though. But he says this phrase in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So a couple of key concepts there on this. Conformed refers to changes imposed upon you by outside forces. So he's talking about Christians in a culture that were allowing the culture to show them what was acceptable. He says, don't do that. As Christians, don't allow outside forces to determine how you live. So in other words, you don't look to your neighbor for how you should act. You don't look to somebody on TV for how you should think or act or anything like that. Instead, you, you do something different. Outside forces are very influential. Sometimes it's peer pressure. Sometimes it's the way a culture is going. You know, cultures have a way of flowing and developing certain value systems and things like that. You know, currently now it, it's popular in our culture to hate people that don't agree with you or did something wrong 20 years ago. You know, that's popular. And so sometimes even Christians will buy into this idea that we need to hate people because they were imperfect 30 years ago or so on and so forth. You don't have to be that way. You can learn to resist those outside influences influences and said allow something coming from within you and this is what transformation is these are changes that come from forces within as a result of the Holy Spirit at work in your life so when you read scripture and the Holy Spirit is allowed to teach you and influence you that's that transformation process so you see it, it, you can choose you can choose to allow people to influence you or culture or you can choose to submit to the leadership of the Spirit Sometimes they'll be similar, but oftentimes they're very opposite. And so what Paul is challenging Christians, he did this to the early Christians, get away from the ideas that your culture teaches you. They're evil. They will separate you from God and cause problems in your life. Instead, allow God to shape you. When you do that, when you choose the influences that you allow into your life, when you choose to allow the Holy Spirit and God's teachings to influence you, when you choose to submit to them, 
those influences will begin to change you and you'll be transformed from within. So Paul's saying here, this is a simple choice. It's hard to do, and I talk like it's simple because it's kind of easy to explain, but it's hard to do, and sometimes it's hard to discern what is good and bad. This is why God established the church, why God gave us Scripture, why God gives us Christian leaders that earn credibility over a lifetime. You learn to look to those people and learn how to speak. I remember in in college all those years ago that I had to learn how to talk and I I didn't know how to treat people in certain ways. You know, you think you always know how to act, but you don't. And no one had taught me how to act in certain situations. And I remember watching certain professors that acted in a way that reflected a Christian spirit. And I said, oh, I remember that distinct situation where I go, oh, that's how I'm supposed to act. You see, that was an influence because God was using that. I couldn't get it on my own. I surely couldn't get it from watching TV or reading a self-help book. By the way, I did come across the comments of some wag who said, the reason there are so many self-help books on the market is none of them work and you keep buying more of them. And that may be right. You can't fix yourself. But God can help you. The Holy Spirit can come within you and change your heart and mind and transform your lives. He can help you clean up your language. He can help you stay away from certain things on the internet. He can help you learn to treat people well. He can teach you how to love and forgive others. We live in a world full of people just like us. Some of them are really nice. Some of them aren't. Here's the the crucial part. Jesus died for every one of them. Jesus thought that every single one of them was worth dying for. Jesus calls us to love them just as he did. To give them a fair shake just as he did. To give them a chance just as he did. To forgive them just as he did. So Jesus has earned the right to call us into action. Because he did it. He gave his life for us. So Paul is challenging those early Christians. Trust him. Do it with humility. Test the spirits to see which is biblical. But follow Jesus. One closing statement. God fully expects us to hold ourselves accountable to him. And to be obedient and faithful. In areas of service and relationships. So when we say, and it's kind of a cultural thing now, that people need to be held accountable, that's true. You are accountable to God. And I don't have to know your sin. My job isn't to hold you accountable. You know whose job that is? That's your job. To hold you accountable. To examine your life. To discern where you are being obedient to God or disobedient. And then choose to follow Jesus. Nate's going to come and lead us in a closing hymn of invitation. Let me challenge you. Choose to follow Jesus, not just as Savior, but as Lord. Make it a practice that your life would be a living sacrifice. That people could look at you and see what Christian really means. Make those decisions. If you'd like to make something public, you can if you come forward. Would you stand with me as Nate leads us? prayer for our church.
in prayer for Mike Hart, who faces surgery tomorrow morning for his feet, and, and there are many others. Dick McCall has been placed in hospice, and so all sorts of people struggling with life and death issues. Pray for them if you would. Remember that next week, we'll start Sunday school again at 9.30, and we'll do that from now on for a while and see if we can hang on, okay? George, would you come and lead us in prayer? Pray with me, please. Father, dismiss us now and help us to enjoy the renewal in ourselves and in our environment. In Jesus' name, amen.